Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning, whether you're in the sanctuary here or you're with us online. We are grateful for every one of you that gathers weekly to worship with us. I want to invite you to say this with me. The house of God is full. Full of God's Spirit. Let's say it one more time with a little more appreciation. The house of God is full. Full of God's Spirit. Amen. You believe that to be true today? Thanks be to God. We're glad for that. We are in the third week of our series on the Spirit as Gift. You may remember on the first Sunday we talked about the Trinity and took a little bit of a tour through Scripture and look at, looked, at the, looked at a brief history of the Trinity. Last Sunday we looked at chap, John chapter 14 and Acts chapter 2 and talked about the Spirit as gift. That was part one. Today is part two of the Spirit as gift. And we heard the Scripture read this morning from John chapter 16. Think about these words that Jesus spoke and think about the context in which they were spoken. Jesus in the upper room. It is what many call the Last Supper. It is a time just before Jesus is arrested and finally moves toward the cross and his death and resurrection. And, and Jesus has gathered his disciples for one more time of encouragement and teaching. I would suggest to you that John chapter 14, 15, and 16 are in some ways sort of an executive summary of the life and ministry of Jesus and what Jesus holds to be central and core and true and what he wants his disciples to remember and not only to remember but to do. And you may recall it in John chapter 14. What does Jesus say? Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. There's a place waiting for you, and I'm going ahead of you to prepare that place. Just always remember that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says... The Father will give you an advocate to help you, to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth who will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Remember that. We'll come back to that in a few moments. And in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Remain in me as I remain in you. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And after that statement, you can do nothing, he says, love each other as I have loved you. I think perhaps there's some wisdom there. You can do nothing without me and then love each other are connected. We can't love each other without Jesus. Jesus is essential 
to loving one another. And in the end of John 15, Jesus goes on to say, the world will not welcome you, they will persecute you as they persecuted me. In other words, expect. Expect if you're going to follow me that you're going to live in a world different from what the world lives. Your life is going to be different, it's going to be separated, it's going to be apart from the world. So don't expect them to welcome you as you would like to be welcomed at times. And in John chapter 16, Jesus says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away, but I am not leaving you alone. I will send the advocate to you. The advocate will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. There's that guiding into truth again. And in verse 33 in John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for himself, prays for his disciples, and then prays for you, for all believers, for those who will believe. But these four chapters really bring to us the heart of what it means to appreciate, to embrace, and to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit as the advocate of God the Father and God the Son. For the work of the Holy Spirit is to keep you and I strong. The gift of the Holy Spirit is to keep us strong, to keep us faithful, to encourage us in the way of following Christ. And in keeping us strong and keeping us encouraged and keeping us faithful, it is the work of the Spirit that helps keep us from falling away. The work of the Spirit guides us through difficult, challenging times. Anyone experience difficult, challenging times? Some of us are doing that presently. Some of us in this room and online with us today are wondering, how will I get through the, this day? How will I get through this next week? How will I survive? And it's not about the rain. Some of us have experienced trauma and been taken advantage of, and some of us have been abused. Some of us have suffered great difficulty physically some of us have been suffering financially and economically, and we wonder how will these next weeks and months unfold? How will we survive? And the gift of the Spirit of God the Father and God the Son guides us, sustains us, through difficult and challenging times, and also guides us and sustains us in very promising, successful times. I'm a firm believer that you and I are in greater need when we're successful than when we're in trouble. Because when we're in trouble, we recognize that when we're successful, we sometimes lose sight and begin to think, oh, look at me. Look how good I am. 
I have acquired all of the trappings of my success. That wonderful word advocate in some versions is counselor or companion. Really means one who walks alongside, one who journeys with us, goes with us. I've been thinking about what, what that means and how meaningful that is to have the very presence of God as my companion that walks alongside of me, with me, and is present in the brightest of days and the darkest of nights. It is valuable for us to say, the house of God is full, full of the Spirit of God, because sometimes we look around in our lives and say, there's not much here. But with the Holy Spirit, life in the Spirit is full. For the Spirit of God is there, filling that space for us. But this work, this role of the Holy Spirit as gift, this work of advocating works two ways, two directions. The Holy Spirit advocates for us to the Father. I love that great passage of Scripture that says, the Holy Spirit interprets our groans when we can't find words to express the deepest longings and aches of our hearts. The Holy Spirit makes intelligible that which we cannot sometimes make intelligible. Thanks be to God. And the Holy Spirit is advocating on our behalf to God the Father and God the Son. But the Holy Spirit also advocates on behalf of God the Father and God the Son to us. Because God the Father, God the Son have some things they want to say to us, have some things they want to remind us of, have some things that we need to learn. We need to learn. Anyone need to learn? To learn, to hear what God the Father and God the Son want to teach us is the work of the advocate advocating on behalf of God the Father and God the Son to us, shaping us, forming us, discipling us. And so it is that the advocate works on behalf of the Father and the Son providing the encouraging, instructional, teaching role of the Spirit, is a, it is a gift to us. I want to suggest this morning that there are three areas of work of the Spirit. One area of work is the role of the Spirit in relationship to believers, that 
one-on-one personal engagement, Spirit of God to you as an individual. And then there is the work of the Holy Spirit as gift to the church. Because on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit filled all of the believers, but also then birthed the church. And so the Holy Spirit has a role speaking to the church. I read a wonderful story this week. It was a small church and they had been raising money, saving money for a decade to build a new building. And in a worship service, probably like this, a family who had four foster children shared with the congregation that the agency had called and said, we need you to take three more foster children. They have no place. And so they said to their friends, the rest of the believers there that day, would you just pray with us that we could find a larger home to rent so we could accommodate these children? And one of the saints of the church said, let's give them the building fund. And they gave them the building fund. It's the work of the Spirit in the church. The work of the Spirit speaking to the church to say, this is what God hopes. This is what God desires. This is what God plans which is different than what you all had planned. There is then also the role of the Holy Spirit in relationship to the world, for Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come and teach the world truth and conviction and judgment about sin and righteousness. It's an important role. But could I just suggest to us this morning that while we take great hope in the work of the Holy Spirit, teaching and convicting the world, that that does not make those of us who have the Holy Spirit superior to those who do not have the Holy Spirit. You okay? You okay? For if we think ourselves superior to those who do not have the Holy Spirit, we have fallen into pride. For the linchpin of the work of the Holy Spirit is humility. That we humble ourselves and say, oh God, what would you have me know? What would you have me learn? What would you have me be? For all of us, whether we are inside the body of Christ or outside the body of Christ, we're all on the journey learning about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
part of our challenge, quite frankly, as the contemporary modern church in America is that we have taken the position that we know better and we know all, and you all out there don't know, and so we've positioned ourselves apart. And lost sight of what it is we are to be and to do in the world. Last week, we explored the presence of the Spirit through Scripture from the Spirit's presence at creation to the Spirit's voice in and through the prophets to the Spirit's impregnating Mary, to the Spirit's hovering over the water of the baptism of Jesus, to the Spirit hovering over the day of Pentecost and now hovering over the church. And so it is that the Holy Spirit advocates for Christ to the church. And it may be, friends, that the teaching, convicting, judging work of the Holy Spirit is the most important voice the church can receive. Why is that? So that our lives, individually and collectively, as the church reflect the Son of God. The Spirit as gift advocates on behalf of God the Father to us so that we live in this life as the body of Christ. But let's turn that phrase a little bit. What if we were not say we are the body of Christ, but what if we said we are Christ's body? We are Christ's body, and so we seek to embody Christ. And so it is we bear the scars of Christ. We bear the suffering of Jesus. We grieve over what Jesus grieved over. What did Jesus grieve over? Certainly sin, but also those who are marginalized, the widow, the child, the orphan, those grieve the heart of Jesus. As Christ's body, those things should grieve us as well. For this place, this building, these grounds are not meant to be insulation from, but tools to. It's important to us to affirm that the house of God is full of the Spirit of God because it is, it is the way that we will be the body of Christ, that we will be Christ's body in the world around us. Dallas Willard said it this way, the gospel is less about how you get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. The Spirit 
gifted church has an important place in a cynical, disbelieving world. And our great opportunity as Christ's body is to think, act, and live differently than the world. Jaron Ryle, who is the president of the Nazarene Theological Seminary, said recently in a sermon, the truth is too many of our churches look more like the anxious and angry world than like the new creation. Perhaps what we need more than anything right now is revival. That is not first about experiential fervor, but is first about being deeply formed in the character of Jesus. Because the church is the present day body of Christ, and as such we are the means by which the church is the embodiment of Christ in the world, can we feel the weight of that somehow? The significance of that somehow? Can that understanding linger with us so that it forms us and shapes us and teaches us so that the pain of the world, the trauma of the world, begins to be our pain, our trauma, and we care about that. And we are willing to be patient, and we are willing to walk, and we are willing to engage beyond just saying, we'll pray. Prayer is the first step of doing, but it's not the last step. As the advocate, as the counselor, the role of the Spirit is to continue to reveal the work of Jesus. The role of the Spirit is to speak the truth of God to us And we are called in this passage to embrace the opportunity to receive the counsel of God as revelation from God. When Jesus says to the disciples, the Spirit will speak truth to you, will teach you all truth, what Jesus is saying is, the Spirit of God will continue to be God's revelation to you. God has been revealed to us in our need for a Savior, as as Brother John talked about, leading his father to the Lord. There was a a month in there, right, John, from the time you gave him the Bible to the time he called you and said, come to the house. What I love about this, what was going on in that month? What was the Spirit doing in that month? The Spirit was forming. The Spirit was shaping. The Spirit was teaching. The Spirit was inspiring. The Spirit was revealing need. The Spirit was creating desire. And a father calls a son. Come home. We somehow in the contemporary church sometimes lose sight of what it means for the Spirit to bring God's revelation to us. 
God's revelation oftentimes is what shapes us and forms us because the revelation of God seeks to teach us truth. So when the Holy Spirit comes and corrects us or convicts us or perhaps brings judgment our way, that is God's, that's the revelation of God coming to us. Can we feel the weight of that? So to resist that, to deny that, to marginalize that, to set it aside is to say, God of all creation, I know better than you. There is risk in that for us, church. For the Spirit is gift to us and somehow we need to reframe what it means to be corrected and what it means to hear truth and what it means to hear conviction and judgment because if the Spirit is gift to us, then correction and truth and judgment is gift to us. For it is God's giftedness to us that seeks to what? Sustain us, keep us close, keep us on the journey, keep us in the will of God the Father and God the Son so that we really do evermore become Christ's body. It took me a long time after Joan and I were married to figure out that there were things she said to me that were for my benefit and that I would be a better person because she was watching out for my best interest. And I didn't always receive that well. There's some guys down here testifying with me. There's some women testifying too. <laughs> Elbows were working. But after a while, I, I've, I sorted out that what Joan was doing was looking out for my best interest. That she had wisdom and perspective that I needed. It's that way with the spirit, friends. The gift of the Spirit is to be received with a posture of humility that says, O oh, Spirit of God, gift of God, come. Speak to my heart, teach my heart, correct my heart, judge my heart. If there is sin, make that clear. For I would receive all of the gift of the Spirit that God has for me. For I would receive all of the revelation of truth that God has for me. For I acknowledge and recognize that I am part of Christ's body. 
And there is hope in that for me, hope in that for the world. So as we prepare to close, as the worship team comes, let me ask you a question. Are we ready for the revelation of truth through the Holy Spirit? Are we ready? Are you ready for the revelation of God from the Spirit? Is your posture humble? Is your mind open? Is your heart willing? And so I invite you on this day and in all the days that follow to humble yourself, to humble ourselves as the church to receive the work of the Spirit in us, to embrace the Spirit as gift, to embrace the teaching of the Spirit as gift. Let us stand together. And now, take from the house that is full of God's Spirit, take the Spirit with you, and go in the Spirit. God bless you.